BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Which positions are priorities for the 49ers in the 2023 NFL Draft? It's off-season time. Last week, we talked about free agency. This week, it's the draft episode. We've got my guy Sunil here, and we're going to be breaking it down all after this. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the show. I'm here with my guy, Sunil. How you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm digging a little bit of a new background for you. Uh, I don't know exactly oh, what it what that, that is. Speaking of that, that's because <laughs> this is from my Wisconsin video. You see, I was going to say, kind of looks... flop, But we back. Good, man. <laughs> wow. The way you're able to just there we go. morph and, and transport so quickly is kind of I know, man. I just transported like 5,000 miles or whatever, and <laughs> we back, and we're doing what we got to do. I love it, man. But, yeah, everything's good. Um, excited to, you know, get get into the offseason. Obviously, like you said last week, we did free agency. It's going to be interesting, you know, figuring out where the 49ers go with the draft. And I think the beauty of it is, you know, most of the offseason – it's actually some of the 49ers strength, right? They're actually a really good drafting team. Um, so it is going to be exciting with all the picks that they have. Um, even mm-hmm. though there aren't a first and second round pick, they tend to do really, really well with the third round and beyond picks. So we have a ton of those. So it's going to be fun to hear what you have to think about it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that this will be a fun episode like last week. Real quick, want to give a shout out to my guy, Harold, and to my guy, Pockets Cheesecake. Thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate the support. But we got to start, and we've got to go with the draft. I mean, first of all, let's recap what we talked about last week. Talked about the priorities, right, on uh, what the positions were. We both were in agreement that defensive line was a position of need and a priority heading into the offseason. Just recap what exactly you were saying last week about the defensive line and why the 49ers should attack that position. Yeah, so in order, I think, you know, when it comes to priority, I think both of us agree that the trenches are where the biggest priority is, offensive line and defensive line. But last week we went more into free agency, and I just feel like, you know, kind of based off of what you were mentioning as well, you know, realistically, 
there aren't too many offensive line players that the 49ers can go out and get that will significantly right. go ahead and upgrade the offensive line. So if we're looking at those two being the biggest areas of need, defensive line, though, there are quite a few free agents that the 49ers can bring in and significantly upgrade. I think both of us, our dream pickup would be Deron Payne, um, you know, from, you know, the commanders. So I think both of us would love if the 49ers splurged and was able to get that position because obviously interior defensive line is a place where we've had a lot of churn. Um, unfortunately, yeah. the 49ers have, you know, kind of flopped on a pick with Kinlaw, who hasn't been the player that they expected from drafting him so high. So now we need somebody that could be there, Stallworth, um, alongside Arik Armstead and obviously Bosa to help solidify that defensive line. So I think it's not necessarily because it's the biggest position of need, more the position of need that free agency could actually help. I, I think that that's fair, right? I mean, uh, when you talk about it, that's why I specifically focus on the defensive tackle position because in today's NFL, in a pass-happy league, what do you need? You need to be able to have light boxes to defend and have these different uh, skill, uh, different coverages, right? You see the cover six, quarter, quarter, half. You see the cover four, quarters coverage. You see cover three. And what do you need? You need bodies to drop back, play both the shallow routes and the deep routes. And so to do that, you need strong players up front because if you can really successfully rush uh defend the run with four players up front uh then guess what you're able to go into those coverages and that's why you need strong players but you also need players that can play both the pass and the run and i think that that's something the 49ers learned this year these uh when you have rotational pieces they can be elite at what they do but the 49ers offensive defensive line still needs work to do i mean charles omenhue was one of the top pass rushers in the nfl this year in terms of pass rush win rate i think he was in the top 15 and then this is entire nfl right you've got elite options and omenhue had a pass rush win rate over 22 percent, i believe but when you talk about the overall impact it's minimized because omenhue isn't good against the run and so it kind of you don't want to necessarily tell your hand. And uh, that's something to get against what the 49ers played this year. But the 2019 defensive line was better. That's the theme we had last week. And that was something where we both wrong. And I think they've got to revert back to that. Look for some more higher end talent. The guys that can play all three downs. Because that's what you need, especially come playoff time. Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing that the addition of CMC kind of showed is, you know, I think there's been a lot of, uh, talk about just the 49ers scheme, right? So, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan was getting this reputation. You don't really need premier, premier talent at the running back position because the scheme would be able to have any running back have success, whether it be a Raheem Mostert that's, you know, a, a journeyman or a Brita that's a, a undrafted, or yeah, undrafted free agent or, you know, like a, a guy like Elijah Mitchell that's a late round pick. But then you put supreme talent into that same scheme and you got to see how uh, impactful or how much of a different level the offense could be taken to that point. I think that same narrative, Rohan, has been kind of uh, established with the defensive line as well. Like Because a guy like Kosarik and um, the 49ers defensive scheme, scheme at defensive line have been able to take you know these uh, maybe – lower drafted or journeyman type players and have them go out and have like career seasons that 
there's this mentality that you don't need to invest too much talent or too much money into the defensive line because you could get, you know, one year rentals kind of things that could still be productive. But much like I think we saw with CMC, how that elevated the offense and made, you know, every position on the offense look better. I think bringing in a higher level talent on the defensive line will make the defensive line and the defense overall play that much better because now Nick mm-hmm. Bosa be more effective. Arc Armstead could be more effective. And ultimately they need a run stopping, like you said, a, a three down player, somebody that could, that doesn't need to be taken off of the field, no matter what, uh, no matter what right. the down and distance is. And I think that that's, uh, that's important to note. And we have a cool question here from Patobo Hammer. And I want to rephrase this question a little bit. He says, what about searching in the late round for a tackle they can mold? We'll first start with defensive tackle. Would you prefer the 49ers go after a veteran, or do you prefer that they hit uh, hit on the draft uh, for that position, knowing the success they've had with the uh, with the late round guys and understanding the cap situation, but also understanding um, that the 49ers have a pick only starting in the third round? What would you prefer? I would prefer both, and, and the and what why why I mention is I think that the 49ers draft has did a shift maybe in 2020 where they stopped necessarily drafting for players that need to be starters right away. Um, and they started drafting for uh, depth and starters that were going to be a year or two down the line. So I, I think that that is still the mentality going in that you do, you can't, you know, even if they bring in a guy, some guy, let's say it's not Duran Payne, obviously Payne is, uh, a lot younger, but maybe let's say it's uh, older interior tackle like uh, Hargrove or, or something like that, right? So maybe that'll be a, a, st- uh, a player that you're getting effectiveness out of for the next year or two, but eventually you're going to need a, a, a like team-friendly contract that could play a high productive role at that defensive line position because you're not going to be able to consistently just pay everybody, right? So I think, it, it, I think this is a especially with the tackle defensive tackle position, I want them to bring in somebody that could immediately make an impact um, that can help like uplift and, and generate more uh, pressure on the defensive line and, and run stopping, but also pick a tackle that they're going to develop. Um, that's going to be able to jump in and be highly productive, you know, next year, a couple years down the line. There we go. Um, but essentially, I, I think I agree with your sentiment in that my my number one priority is a veteran. I think it's a to get a veteran because when you talk about the veterans, uh, what do they bring? Not only do they bring an experience, but they bring talent. You know what you're getting out of the veterans, and the 49ers need an established piece. When we talk about the difference between 2019 and 2022, it was the lack of star power in exchange for the lack of rotational pieces. The depth will pro- or the draft will provide you, provide you rotational pieces, especially where the 49ers are looking to select. But I think the 49ers do have good rotational pieces. Then again, I think it's a priority for this team with their philosophy defensively, especially on the defensive line, to select a defensive lineman in every draft, especially when you have 11 draft picks because guess what? You're good at def- drafting defensive linemen. You understand what fits your system, and you have have the 
you really have the arsenal to develop players. I mean, this year was a redshirt year for Kalia Davis, and Kalia Davis, in my opinion, is going to be a solid contributor for the 49ers in 2022. You have the arsenal to develop those players for the future as well, especially if select in the sixth or seventh round. Davis was the sixth round pick, and a lot of the players the 49ers have gotten uh, production out of have been undrafted or even in like the seventh round, right? And right. so to me, I think that it, there is a value in drafting a player, but I also think you do need a place and emphasis in free agency. That's the number one priority, and you have to get that player, a pretty high-end caliber player. My two last week were Deron Payne and Javon Hargrave. Yeah, and I mean, I think I agree in the sense that we can't, we can't, we can't have too many question marks along that defensive line. We need somebody that we know can play that can instantly upgrade the offensive line. And usually unless you're picking like in the top 10, (laughs) you know, as far as the defensive lineman, those type of players just don't end up happening in the third, fourth, fifth round. Not saying you can't get somebody that could immediately like make an impact eventually, but they do need to be developed. Right. You, You saw even, you know, our last, our second round pick from last year, Drake Jackson, He's higher level talent defensive lineman, but not much of an impact because still needs to be developed, has a lot of uh, upside, but still needs to be fine tuned and things like that. I agree with you. I think they do need to bring in a veteran that could hold the fort down for the next two, three years. But you always need to be developing that next next batch of players so that you have that flexibility where when it comes to decision making time of who do you pay, who do you let walk? You have options. So that's where I think the draft comes into play. Yeah, I, I, I do agree there. I do agree. And speaking of the draft, let's get into it. Let's talk about some of these. We won't necessarily talk about the specific players, although we can. But let's talk about some of the position groups. Let's talk about the philosophy. Just broad landscape. What do you think the 49ers' philosophy for this draft should be, understanding where they currently stand with their roster and the cap space that they have? Yeah, so, I mean, for the last few years, Rohan, I think it was we kind of went into the season because the 49ers had such a solidified, you know, it was, it was hard for a rookie to be able to get much playing time because the 49ers were just so stacked at every position along the offensive line and the defensive and the def- offensive side and the defensive side. I think this time go around, there are going to be more opportunities for rookies to get, you know, starting positions. Um, you know, last year, I think the only rookie that played significant quote unquote starting role, there were two, right? There was Burford and then Womack for the first half of the year. I think this year there's maybe probably three positions that possibly could be, uh, you know, a rookie starting, um, three or four, maybe I think along the offensive line, there might be a opportunity for a rookie to get a starting position, um, you know, maybe at safety, uh, probably a linebacker position. And then my my dark horse is maybe a kicker, right? Could come in and and uh maybe a rookie could come in and you know take over at, at the at the kicking position as well. So with that being said, you know, I think the 49ers have 11 picks. I think that you know they do have to be looking at players that maybe could come in and make an impact right away. But for the most part, the strategy to me is gonna be what it's been. For the past few years which is think two three years down the line guys that may be coming up um for contracts like you know wide receiver position right i think they need to take a wide receiver this draft because you know when 
Ayuk starts if they had decide to pay Ayuk, well, maybe they're gonna have to get rid of Debo and so they need somebody else to play alongside Ayuk. Positions like that, linebacker, you know, obviously they're gonna have to have somebody fill in there. Safety, obviously, alongside Hufunga, you need somebody there. And then uh, I think continuing to bolster up the the secondary with cornerbacks is going to be extremely important as well, along with, you know, obviously the offensive defensive line, like we mentioned. I think that the, there are a lot of important positions, right, to target. The good thing, 49ers have capital. We talked about the capital that they have. I mean, when you look at their just their own draft picks, they don't have too many, right? They lost their first-round pick. They lost their second-round pick. But in terms of the compensatory formula, the 49ers have a significant amount of draft capital, and that could still improve because guys like Jimmy Garoppolo have yet to be signed by another team, and Jimmy Garoppolo could very well warrant a uh, – what do you call it? A third round compensatory draft pick. Right now, the 49ers, they have, I believe, they don't have their own third round pick, but they have three third round compensatory picks uh, this year. One for Mike McDaniel, one for Rand Carthen, and then another one for, it's the third of when they hired Robert Sala and Martin Mayhew. So they have three current compensatory picks. Then they do have a fifth round pick of their own, a fifth from Jeff Wilson Jr. trade. So that's five picks there. And then I believe that uh, they have two seventh round picks, and that's not including the uh, OTAs for, or uh, what do you call that? The formula for uh, not compensatory picks. I forget the exact name. It's the formula supplementary for or something like that. The free agents supplemental that you or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you, you're, they're going to get a couple of draft picks because of guys like Artie Key, GJ Jones, and players like those uh, from a season ago. So you're going to have a lot of capital, which means you do have to address a lot of positions. Let's start. For me, the number one priority probably would be right tackle. I think that 49ers should go after a tackle in this draft. I don't think Mike McGlinchey returns. I think he prices himself out of his range. And I see this question here from Potobo Hammer. Would he trade up to fill a spot of need? I would say yes. And I think that you have to trade up if you want to right tackle in this draft. I don't think there's going to be very many uh, talented, not necessarily talented, but very many ready right tackles if you go in the third round and select at 99. I think a lot of tackles are going to go early on. Players like Syracuse's Matthew Bergeron seem like ideal fits with the 49ers. I've watched his film over the weekend. I like the way he moves. He's a good mover, and he so he's a solid run blocker, and he he's fairly solid in pass protection. Obviously, if you're going in the second round, you do have a couple of woos. Even if you go in the first round, you have a couple of uh, issues that you have to fix up. But the 49ers, I think that they would benefit in drafting him. He's played left tackle before. He could slide over to left tackle once Trent Williams retires, but he could also play right tackle and provide some competition there. He's played at both positions. I would not mind trading up for a guy like that. But I think in general, the 49ers, if they are going to want a right tackle that is uh, complacent enough to compete in 2022, I think that trading up would give them the best bet uh, in doing so, and they have the capital to do so to trade up in the second round. How how high do you think they would need to be up to be able to effectively pick up somebody that could be a day one starter at that right tackle position? You'd probably need to go to 56. 
somewhere around 56 to 60. I, I think that there will be value there at 56 to 60 because this class, from what I've seen, it seems like there's a good amount of mid-round talent. But then again, tackle is a position where everyone reaches for. So I wouldn't be surprised if some tackles that you expected to go in the third round go end up going in the second round. But also, there should be value that drops. So I, I think that if, you, if you're ending up at the at back end of the second round, be it anywhere from 56 to 64, maybe potentially even the front end of the third round I think you can draft a tackle that you would be comfortable with and I'm not saying that that tackle is going to be a day one starter in fact the likelihood of him being a day one starter is going to be fairly low given the way that how complex the 49er system is and also that Colton McKivitz has now earned what is this three off seasons of work with the 49ers and his play tackle uh, as of late I think he's the odds on favorite right now to win the job which, as unfortunate as they might sound to other 49er fans, is just the realistic option. But you do want to draft one, have one compete. That's my personal preference. Yeah, and I mean, I, I do feel like the 49ers won't stand pat this draft. You know, they have so much capital in the third round this this draft. And I think, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rohan, I think they've maxed out how many third-round compensatory picks they could get for this draft. So even if um, Jimmy gets signed and uh, and also like obviously the D'Amico picks and stuff, I don't think they could get any more this draft. It would be you know future oh, correct. compensatory picks. But even those, you know, they could you know this is the last year they don't have a first round pick, right? So next year they get their first round pick back. Um, so yeah, I fully expect them to try to package some of those picks, move up to the second round. I do think tackle is probably a position that they they go after or um center I think would be another one that it that they if they see somebody they really like to go out there because I think those are the two positions that they definitely need the option for the future whether it's a day one starter or you know next year two years down the line they need to solidify those two positions for the future as well yeah, and I think that that's why D'Amico Ryans, I believe his first third-round pick that they will receive is not this offseason. I believe it's next offseason, if I'm not mistaken. But regardless, the point being, there's capital for you. Because remember, to trade up, you're going to need significant capital. And the one thing I think fans don't necessarily understand as much, every trade, not every, but almost every trade on draft day to trade up is an overpay. You, it doesn't yeah. come cheap. You don't necessarily see, if you look at charts, value charts in terms of draft capital, you don't see teams trading less capital to move up. Normally, you do have to overpay. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers part away with three of their third-round picks, be it this year or in future years, to move up to get one second-round pick, be it maybe 99, 101, and then their third compensatory pick next year, be it from Jimmy Garoppolo or D'Amico Ryans or whoever. Would not be surprised if that's what they end up uh, moving uh, to to get up to in the in the fifties range. It, it, it's bold, but you kind of got to do it. Um, the 49ers also haven't shied away from moving picks for players. Uh, before we move on into like who are some draft pick mm -hmm. player players in the draft, is there anybody you can see? that may be kind of a cap casualty um, for other teams that could be a team that maybe a player that maybe the 49ers 
might try to draft for in any any of these or trade draft picks for in, in this draft? Yeah, those are always the toughest to project because when you talk about those trades, right, they happen in April, at the end of April, because that's when the draft is. And the problem is most people, not most people, most teams have their cap space situation fairly figured out, meaning the cap casualties will be out of the way. Because remember, by March 16th, by the first day of the league year, you have to be under the cap. All of your situations have to be figured out. And so that's why it's tough to project those moves. I know the 49ers have traded for Trent Williams during the trade uh, uh, during the during the draft and players like that, so it's more so that you'd likely see bigger names kind of get moved towards uh, draft day, uh, where you might not be able to agree to extension. I don't know if the 49ers ship any players out this offseason. I know Debo Samuel rumors have been there, and I've given my thoughts mm -hmm. on the Debo Samuel situation where I don't know if he ends his if he ends up remaining a 49er throughout the duration of his contract but I also view it unrealistic to trade him this offseason because of the dead cap it now it's possible many people aren't realizing that that it's possible because you can designate it as a post June 1st move and only uh cost 6 million towards the cap this year as opposed to the 28 that it is pre June 1st because you can spread over 4 years but still I think it's unrealistic and that's why I think he'd probably be the major guy that people want to talk about. But I don't think that he's going to get moved this offseason. Um, and I, I don't know exactly where they'd look to, to move. But I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, look to pick up maybe an extra linebacker uh, who might be nearing the end of his deal. Or maybe even an extra safety uh, for a mid-round pick to a late-round pick. I know a guy, um, your partner in crime, Marco, is always talking about is Cesar Ruiz uh, from the Saints. That's uh, yeah. So I don't know if that might be. I know he he was talking about that the 49ers have been interested with in him in the past. Um, he would be a guy that obviously would be a position of need. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But like I, like you mentioned, there's a lot of draft capital there. Um, maybe they go up and bundle those picks to move up in the second round, which I think would be most likely but it would be exciting if they maybe try to make a run at a guy like caesar ruiz with those picks as well get a player that you know could play the position young and you know sign them to a contract that you know makes sense for the 49ers as well no i i agree i think that it would be it would be an intriguing part and it kind of leads us to our next question but before i answer the question i do want to give a shout out to the rest of the people that tuned in potobo hammer we've been seeing you and your questions thank you mariah 49er faithful lee thank you for tuning in as well as amelia mendoza thank you guys for tuning in and david corona as well as dusty gold cool thank you guys for tuning in as well to the show this afternoon but Going on the center topic, because you talk about Cesar DeRuiz, Potobo Hammer has an interesting question. Would he draft a center? Or do you think Poe and some of the other guys from last draft is going to play center? So there are a couple of options here with center, right? You can bring back Jake Brendel. We don't know necessarily how the cost will be. My assumption around one year, $5 million maybe. You could look to draft a center. There are a couple of very intriguing options in this draft. Uh, my guy from Wisconsin, Joe Tipman might be a guy who the 49ers look at. I know they've looked at him already and giving him a look. Um, there's a guy from Michigan, Olu, Olu Watami. Can't say the last name. But there, yeah. there are, the point being, there are a couple of good centers in this draft that could go in the mid-rounds. 
Sunil, would you look to amplify the depth at center, or do you think the 49ers have a plan where they like the incumbents and want the incumbents to compete at center? I do think there's definitely a plan there. I don't think the 49ers are bare at the center position, right? Obviously, Brendel is an option. He played relatively well, you know, and is a good stopgap if maybe some of these younger guys like Zakiel or Poe um, aren't available. But I do think right there at, in the third round, the two guys you mentioned, the kid from Wisconsin, Tipman, Tip, is it Tipman or Tippman? I don't know. But yeah, I know the guy from Wisconsin and the and the player from Michigan. Both are probably players at the fort that could fall to the 49ers. So I think that, you know, definitely if you could find a position where if maybe Zakiel or Poe are still not running away with it, you it, there's never a problem with bringing in more competition, right? So it, at that point, you know, you really kind of see who runs away with the job. And uh, so I do think that they do pick somebody there. And what's great about these picks at center, they, they could play center, but they could also play guard, which is another position that the 49ers can always use depth at as well. So to me, I definitely think that they have a plan there, whether it be Zakiel Poe or bringing back Brendel. But I don't think that's going to necessarily mean that the 49ers won't take somebody that could play center if, uh, if it's there um, at, that, at one of their picks. I think that's fair. I mean, to me, the way that I think about it, I never shy away from competition. I think competition is very valuable in the NFL. And when you see last year, how many centers did the 49ers have on their roster before uh, before all the cuts? They had Daniel Brunskill, Jake Brendel. They had Keaton Sutherland. Donovan they had Jason Poe. They had Donovan West, Nick Zakel. Those are six players that you could say played some point at some point played center for the 49ers in the offseason, right? Depth is not an issue. I mean, uh, and that's why I, I don't think the 49ers, especially with their philosophy where they have players that can play multiple positions, should shy away from trying to upgrade the position or add competition to the position. Now, it depends on who they draft and uh, or who they retain. I, I personally put Jake Brendel on my top five retainees uh, uh, for free agency. I think that he'd be a valuable guy to have competition because – if you bring back Jake Brendel and he wins the job, you know what you have in Jake Brendel. If he loses the job, you know you have a player who might be better than the player you saw last year, which was a serviceable center for the 49ers. So that's kind of the way I look at it. I do think the 49ers are grooming Nick Sakel to be the center. I've thought that ever since he was drafted that he was just going to be the center of the future. Um, kind of, it'd it take a little bit, but he, he, he could prove to be the center of the future with his potential. And with the build that he has and the uh, the movement that he can have in this offense, but I would not shy away from drafting a center if the if the opportunity presents itself. Of course, you've got to go best player available, and you've got to address what you've got to address. But if you, I mean, center is a place where you definitely could look to add depth. I mean, that that's a position where if you talk about it, Bronskill's a free agent. We'll see what happens with him. Jake Brendel's a free agent. We'll see what's happened with him. And the other guys I mentioned are all off the roster. So you have two really centers, two centers that can play right now. You're going to need more depth regardless. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of these mock drafts, uh, you know, and obviously, you know, you never know because it goes by whoever, however they rank people and stuff like that. But a position that's interesting to me that seems to always have kind of uh, – 
good talent at around the picks that the 49ers are going to pick at is linebacker. It seems like there's some good linebackers that could fall in that third round range that the 49ers have. Obviously, you know, if you look at the position group that the 49ers are probably most set at, linebacker would probably be on that list with Warner and Greenlaw there. And then um, obviously Burks and, you know, they got your guy back. They re-signed your guy back as well. But do you think that in the third round, if a linebacker falls that, you know, is pretty talented because I think they're, they seem to be falling in a lot of these mock drafts. Should the 49ers, if that is BPA, should the 49ers go after a, a linebacker? Or do you think that would be a waste of a pick based off of what the 49ers stable of linebackers are right now? No, absolutely. I think they should. Like, my philosophy for the draft is always best player available. You figure out the holes that you have, but you have to address what the best position is. And, oh, man, how do I always end up here? Dude, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I ask that every time I come into your call-in show, but then I realize, <laughs> oh, it's because I need to flame you for your Jimmy takes. Thanks, man. But, no, Jesse, I appreciate you coming on with the support. Talking centers, though, uh, shying away from all the BS talk. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From him. Uh, we got to talk about some of the guys. And, I mean, sorry, not centers, linebackers. And I think that you absolutely address a position, especially even if you deem it a, a position of potential need. I think, like I just said with the centers, competition is valuable, and this is a solid linebacker class in the middle rounds. I mean, a guy who I've been scouting and a guy who I've watched a good amount of because I started watching Cincinnati film is Ivan Pace Jr., and that guy is wicked fast. I mean, he was clearly the best linebacker probably at the Senior Bowl. He has good uh, instincts. He can be a little greedy at times. He he, he takes uh, bad angles when he wants to run, rush the passer, but if you play him in a Drake Greenlaw-esque role where his – primary role when rushing the passer is just a blitz. I think that that's valuable. And I think that his speed is definitely what the 49ers covet. When you look at what the 49ers have had at linebacker, right? Marcelino McCurry ball. He's a safety convert to linebacker. He's got speed. Warren Burks, I believe ran a four, four, eight. He's got speed. I mean, Fred Warner and uh, Drake Greenlaw are both fast and they get to the ball quick. You know, you need these guys with speed. Why? Because when you have speed, you can teach instinct. When you have the combination of instinct and speed, at the linebacker position, it's valuable. And the reason the 49ers are able to do what they do schematically uh, defensively is because they have linebackers that are unique, that incorporate the uh, levels that they uh, that they require in their scheme. You don't see Fred uh, like other linebackers carrying uh, wide receivers down the field because Fred Warner in a cover three can play the deep cover, uh, the deep safety role in a cover three. He can carry the linebackers. I mean, the wide receivers, because that's how talented he is. I think the 49ers should look to address it. I'm not necessarily saying it's a position of need or the biggest position of need. I mean, that's a position where they've developed very well uh, in the past. Johnny Holland's a very good linebackers coach. Uh, Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw have both praised him in the past. And when you talk about it as well um i mean you have marcelino mccrary ball a guy who i was really high on last year before he even stepped on the field and then it only increased my confidence when he did step on the field i think that there are a lot of good linebackers that the 49ers do have curtis robinson's another guy who they re-signed to their practice squad and so 
I, I do think that they have good players, but competition is always welcome. And I think the 49ers should look to, if, if it's there, if it's best player available, I, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, I wouldn't mind it because remember linebackers in the, in this offense or in this defense can play a variety of different roles. I have another question for you, Rohan. So obviously brand new defensive coordinator in Wilkes. He is a little bit different, mm-hmm. or I guess a lot of bit different from the other defensive coordinators that we've had here under Shanahan, uh, you know, era, because his specialty is obviously secondary. The last two defensive coordinators were former linebacker coaches. How much do you think the addition of Wilkes affects maybe who they draft so would you expect maybe now let's say in the third round um there's the best player available let's say it's even as far as on their draft board a safety linebacker defensive lineman and let's say a a receiver those four positions right all evenly graded uh with the 49ers and they're all there at that pick 99 can you see maybe the 49ers maybe going secondary in uh, over you know maybe a receiver or you know alignment like they've done in the past because wilkes is there how much effect do you think him being um on the staff now affects who they go after in the draft Honestly, I don't think it affects it that much. Steve Wilkes definitely provides something different. He is a secondary guy, and he likes to blitz, right, which means you need strong uh, guys in the secondary. I think the one position where it might change might be the safety position. You maybe address that in the fourth or fifth round, uh, or third, fourth, or fifth round, rather than where they addressed it with Talano Hufunga in the sixth round, and they've been known to not really prioritize safety, right? They passed up on safeties before. Nick Cross, the clear one, when they selected Tyron Davis-Price, uh, a move I think a lot of people are still scratching their heads about, including myself. I mean, they, it's not a position they they have valued. So I, I think that that could be a place where you could see a potential change because obviously Wilkes has good experience with the secondary. But Kyle Shanahan said it himself. The scheme that they want to run is going to be similar, which means the philosophy behind the scheme that they want to run should be similar as well in terms of where they draft. Wilkes has the capability of kind of utilizing what the players are to their best benefit. And I think that the 49ers, I don't think they should create many alterations of their scheme to adjust to what Wilkes necessarily wants. I'm not saying that you don't, uh, that you disregard Wilkes' output, but I do think that they're going to come in combination rather than go with what might best be for Wilkes because the scheme that they've operated under has been so dominant over the last five years. Do you, so that's interesting because obviously it seemed like, you know, even the overall kind of fundamentals of the defense have been similar over, you know, between Sala and D'Amico Ryans, it did seem like D'Amico Ryans was more, had more tendencies to play man. And it kind of showed up in the type of corners that they picked, right? Um, they, they started picking guys that were better at man coverage rather than more of the cover three type, um, type schemes that Sala used to play, right? Wilkes is kind of a throwback to Sala in the, in the sense that he does pay, play a lot of zone with his corners. Do you think they revert back? Because I do think they're going to pick a few corners in this draft. It seems like that's a position, obviously, with all the injuries that they 
had this last season that they're going to constantly keep refilling the the depth the depth chart there do you think they they search for like the prototypical man corners like they have been getting with guys like Ambry Thomas and Diamador Lenore obviously they they brought in Charvarius Ward who's great at man um in their splurge and free agency or do you think they go after more of the the guys that could probably play more zone uh, now that Steve Wilkes is there I honestly think they remain the same as well. I think the 49ers and Wilkes, if he wants to be aggressive, Wilkes has had to succumb to his personnel in years past, right? Because he hasn't had the best personnel. When you talk about it in Arizona, he had a really crappy defense. I mean, in Cleveland, the defense wasn't too great in terms of personnel. Now he has really good personnel. And I think he can utilize that personnel to its best strengths. And I think it's going to be a mixture. I think you see defenses really becoming a little more complex, right? The, the When you talk about Vic Fangio, a lot of people wonder about Vic Fangio, right? And they are like, nah, Vic Fangio would not have fit this defense because his scheme. A lot of the concepts D'Amico Ryan's utilized and Robert Sala utilized are from the Vic Fangio defense. I mean, a lot of these defenses are becoming interchangeable. Uh, Ryan's like uh, like to play the cover three look a lot. He played quarters look a good amount as well last year. And he played press man coverage a lot. And so I think the 49ers, they want versatile corners, but it's easier to teach that rather than to teach fast. And I think the 49ers like those athletic corners. I mean, when you look at the build, Traverius Ward's a solid corner. He, he he's got the speed. He's got enough speed. I mean, I mean, Ambry Thomas was a solid corner. Tariq Castro Fields was a solid uh, corner in terms of speed, and that's what projects best to the NFL level. I also think they look for physicality in their corners um, because that's a that's the style that they play, and also if they they want good run fitting corners, and I think that that's another thing that they'll develop. But I, I don't know if they changed the identity of the way that they evaluate the cornerback position, even though a couple of the like players like Ambry Thomas and maybe if you want to include Tariq Castrofields haven't necessarily panned out. But um, to me, I think that their 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 identity has worked. I mean, their free agent acquisitions, Emmanuel Mosley's development has been cool. Diamondo Lenore in the fifth round has been a good pick, and in my opinion, Tariq Castro Fields was a good pick. It's just he was a he was a casualty because of the how the roster was constructed, and I I think he 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 would have been fine if he was on the roster. So to me, I don't think that it's too big. Uh, I don't think the identity will change too much. And I think even furthers Wilkes's uh, strategy, because if you have players that can play man press, guess what? You can be more aggressive because you can trust your corners in the back end. When you play zone coverage, how do they beat the, uh, how do they beat the blitz? How do they beat those aggressive looks by firing uh, to the, to the flat, by firing to the underneath routes. And when you play off coverage, that's when those routes become a little more open. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I do think that um, there's, like I said, I think there's more opportunity for these younger players to actually get playing time, whereas in the past um, that hasn't necessarily been the case. But because of all of the free agents that the 49ers have mixed in with all the competition from the 49ers coaching tree just being out there now, right? There's three coaches plus – um, a, a GM now. So there's four teams that all are eyeing 49er free agents as possible pieces in their, um, in their roster as well. I just think that the re reality is the 49ers are going to have a lot of new faces on defense, um, especially. So I just wonder, are they going to bring them in at the mold of what Shanahan's defenses have been, or 
do they take on a personality of the new defensive coordinator? Um, that's going to be interesting for me to, to see during this draft. No, I agree. I do agree. And I mean, those are questions that are going to be intriguing. And I think we get the first answers to them when free agency hits. Going right. to some of the questions. Interesting one here. Pockets the Cheesecake asked trade Arc Armstead. And it's been a hot topic in a way because Arc Armstead's been a valuable piece to this team, but also has struggled to remain healthy and doesn't necessarily post the biggest stats while carrying cap hits of around 28 million or 25 million and 27 million over the next two years. What do you think about the topic? Would you consider it? And to what degree? I mean, I guess never say never, but my gut would tell me that I think Armstead ends up retiring in a 49er jersey. Um, and what I mean by that is, so when it comes to a, a kind of like a contract that you're looking to extend to make the cap hit lower kind of thing, you want to see, do you think that this player is going to be on the 49ers for the next three years? If you don't think so, then look, it doesn't make sense to push the money back, right? Otherwise, you're kind of then paying for somebody that's not on your roster. If I look realistically, I know there's a lot of, you know, naysayers about Ark Armstead. He doesn't put up the sack numbers. He doesn't put up, you know, just the stats that fill up the stat sheet. But I still think that he's an intangible part of the defensive line he actually performs at a at a very good level and especially if the 49ers end up bringing in a guy like Payne, i think Arik armstead will benefit a lot from that as well um so i actually look the opposite of trading Arik armstead i could see him possibly getting extended and lowering those cap hits and giving the 49ers more cap room to sign a guy like Deron Payne and Arik Armstead being one of those contracts that they restructure. That's interesting. I will disagree with you here, although I think that it's an intriguing point. Honestly, I don't think Arik Armstead ends up in a 49er uniform to end his career. I, I just think that the value in terms of health and also the increasingly large cap hits make it tough. Arik Armstead, his contract – the reason that it is the way that it is is because the 49ers keep pushing back money. I mean, they pushed back money last offseason, and that's why he's making $24 million in 2023, 25, uh, 25 to $26 million in 2024. I don't think an arc arm said trade this this offseason is likely. Um, you only save two million, and I believe you blow twenty two million in dead cap. I think that though a trade next offseason, you could definitely talk about it. Uh, arm said you could save eleven million, uh, cost about fourteen million next offseason if you moved arc Armstead. Uh, and if it's post June first, you could definitely get more money. But I think Armstead's a guy who where the 49ers, if they're going to look to pay a guy like Deron Payne, you're going to want to save that money. And I don't think restructuring is the option because when you look to restructure that deal, you're going to push money even further into years. And then you might have a $15 million dead cap hit in 2025 when Armstead isn't even under contract. It's a void year. And so to me, I think the 49ers, I didn't have an issue with the contract. I, I think the restructuring is what made it worse as it is and so to me i think that it's just unfeasible this offseason uh to move him but i i wouldn't be surprised if he gets moved um 
next offseason when the cap hit is a little worse, a little better, especially if they pay a guy like Deron Payne, because it is tough to uh, carry three big time contracts on the defensive line with excess of $20 million cap hits for each and likely more in Nick Bosa's case. So that's the reason. But Armstead as a 49er for life, that'll be an interesting one because of his connections in the Bay Area and what he's done. And he's been a phenomenal human being and really a solid, solid player when he's been on the field. I don't personally envision that happening. Yeah, and the things that you mentioned are probably more of the reasons that I think that, right? It seems like this 49ers regime really is focused on doing right by its players and, you know, giving them the options. And if you are, you know, checking off certain boxes for the 49ers, they tend to do right by you. And I think that, you know, I just feel like there's still some juice in Armstead. I I, I agree. You know, obviously the health thing is, is troubling, right? And usually when you have bigger guys that have those lower body type injuries, um, they tend to linger type of type of situation. However, like I also like like I, we were mentioning earlier, I think bringing in a guy like Deron Payne or somebody else that could take some of that load off of Armstead, I think you start to see an increase in Armstead's production as well. So he's a player that I think you do bring in higher level talent along that defensive line you start seeing a player that is performing at the level of their contract which if that's the case i don't think the 49ers really care what they're paying him if they're getting the type of production that they're paying for i think right now it's just the production isn't matching up to the money but if they could lower that money and get his performance up because they bring in uh, somebody else to help out bosa and armstead I think that would be ideal for the 49ers because at that point, now you have three pieces that you can depend on for the next two, three years, which ultimately I think that's how they're looking at in those three-year windows type of thing. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think that that's fair. And I mean, we it's a lot of these different talks. I mean, the 49ers are going to have difficult talks. We talked about Debo Samuel earlier. Ark Armstead's another difficult talk. And we'll see where the 49ers really go. Again, it matters on who they bring in this offseason and to what contract. An interesting topic here, Harold Murillo said, Derek Carr, he can prove he can beat Kansas City. Should the 49ers try and side Carr? We still need a decent quarterback. Do you think that's a realistic option? I know a couple of people have actually floated the idea of Derek Carr to the 49ers out. I think the only quarterback that the 49ers are going to bring in is a veteran that can see themselves as a backup. I don't think they're going to bring in a veteran that could be um, a starter unless it's like a mind, like you're getting mind blowing talent where it'd be like an Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson, which both of those you're going to have to trade draft capital that the 49ers don't have. So I don't think a guy like Derek Carr, who I still think, believes he's a starter in this league. And I think the league believes that he's a starter in this league as well. I think the type of money that he's going to be able to get um, because he will be kind of the team's future. I don't think anybody's going to bring in Derek Carr as like a stopgap, whereas the 49ers are looking for a quarterback that could compete in the training camps to push guys like, um, you know, Purdy and uh, Lance. But ultimately, I don't think they want somebody that's going to ultimately be the starter because 
you know, it's Lancer party for them, right? They, they want the quarterback of the future, not somebody that's just going to be able to be, you know, what Jimmy G was just, you know, quarterback of the now. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about it, it's an intriguing move, but I don't think it's realistic. Carr is going to likely command a higher salary than the 49ers can afford. And I think Garoppolo would likely come cheaper. I'm not exactly sure, but I think Garoppolo would likely come cheaper this off season. Um, he would be the best quarterback floor wise on the 49ers currently, but I think the 49ers have also built their persona on going after uh, or trying to pursue a championship while having quarterbacks on a rookie contract, because that's how success has been made in the NFL as of late over the last five years. Because when you have a quarterback taking up over 17% of the cap, there's only been one quarterback in the entire NFL history that has done that. And that's this year with Patrick Mahomes. It, otherwise, it's t really, really tough to do so because of how much money is allocated to the quarterback. I don't think it's that uh, realistic of an idea. I agree with you, Sunil, in that I think the 49ers go after a veteran, but I also think that that veteran is going to be a mid-level veteran that's on that bridge replacement level kind of uh, layer, which will come much cheaper for the 49ers. Some other questions before we head on out. Uh, we've Jay says we've got to address the D line. Kinlaw's in his last year. Armstead dealing with an injury known to be reoccurring. Ebukam gone. Need more depth behind Bosa, Jackson, and Armstead. So we talked about the defensive line earlier and talked about the need for a big name. I want to ask, would you bring back some of the pieces from last year? Charles O'Manahue, Samson Ebukam, guys like those. What would you do with those type of players? Ebukam, I think you let walk unless he's going to be a vet minimum type contract just because I don't think he ever performed to the contract that he actually got from the 49ers. Amena who would be intriguing, but once again, you mentioned it earlier in the show, he's not a three down player, right? He, I don't think he's at this point going to be effective enough in the run game where he's just not a specialist um, type of thing. So I think how I would look at it is I'm, I'm going to pay my splurge pick be a defensive interior defensive lineman, whether that be pain, I, I, let's say it's pain. And then after that, depending on what money's left over, if you can sign a guy like a man who great, but more than likely, I think they end up probably getting more money somewhere else. Um, but I would more, more, I, I don't, unless, they're going to be a three down starter for this team. I don't want to pay them if that makes sense. I, I'd rather save my money for high end talent. I don't want to go after this mid-level kind of depth anymore. I, I want our depth to be all kind of one year prove it deals versus a contract like we gave to Ebacom, which ended up, you know, you could have saved that money and maybe paid more for somebody else that could be a three down player. Right. I mean, Epicom was a guy who essentially he's the run stopper was all right against the pass this year. He was an average, probably an average pass rusher, but you're right. You want three down guys, but you want effective three down guys. And I think Epicom's contributions are a little underrated, but I also think at the cap hit that he had this past year, of, I believe it was 8.25 million. If I'm not mistaken, it is a tad bit high. And with a guy who's likely looking to make a little more money elsewhere, I think you do let him walk. Uh, although it will be a missed contribution to the running game. I think though, a guy like Jordan Willis, I know, you're a big fan of him could uh could replace that contribution at a league minimum cost and 
Uh, Willis isn't a great pass rusher, but he can do enough against the run to where the 49ers can get uh, get through with that rotational piece. But I think the value should be placed elsewhere, especially if it's going towards a big-name contract. Some other topics. Got to give a shout-out to Philly Domside Adude007. Thank you for tuning in. Patola45 says, keep all 10 draft picks this year because of the cheap value. Do you think the 49ers, or actually, let's let's scrap that. Do you, would you go with the strategy that San Francisco kept last year, which was the first year in the Shanahan era uh, that they kept all of their draft picks at the spot and just selected? Do you think that would be smart, go with uh, quantity over quality in a way? So um, I don't know if it's necessarily smart or not smart. I just think that more than likely they're not going to stay with the 10. Um, they're going to bundle some picks uh, for to move up more, more than likely. So I don't think they end up staying with the 10. And um, last year was the first year that they didn't sign every single one of their rookies either. So I think the 49ers do a great job um, signing undrafted free agents. Um, so I don't think they need all 10 picks, to be honest. I would much rather package some of those picks, go out there and isolate a guy, um, especially in the second round. If some guys are falling, that could be best player available or positions of need for the 49ers. I think that's more realistic what happens, but I, I don't think that they'll take more than seven or eight players this draft just because guys aren't going to make it. You know what I mean? And, and, and so I would much rather try to get guys that they know will make the team versus what happened last year where guys like Tariq Castro-Fields didn't even make the, the roster. Yeah, I think that when you talk about it, when you've got a you've got a factor in realistic ability, but also players involved. And like I said earlier in this uh, today in the stream, I talked about right tackle, and I think that right tackle is a position where you're going to have to go up and get a player in the second round for. And I think that's a valuable uh, an asset that that the four should be willing to do. Hence, why I don't know if they do keep all ten picks, but. To end today's show, we've got to give a shout out to David Villa for tuning in. Thank you. And Pockets, the cheesecake ass, isn't CMC getting restructured this offseason. So me and Sunil talked about this last week. We were in agreement that he would be restructured. He's the most obvious one. He has no guaranteed money left on his deal. The 49ers will likely redo that contract, lowering his cap hit for this year. But I think he, Fred Warner, and... Nick Bosa are the three contracts likely to be reworked this offseason. Uh, McCaffrey uh, with the with the restructure. Fred Warner likely gets restructured the regular way, and then Bosa gets extended after um, they come to a deal together. That would lower his cap hit. I think that those are the three more log- most logical ones and help preserve the 49ers in the future as well. Um, before we leave, I have one last question for you when it comes to the draft. Let's so do it. Let's go – dark horse position that ends up getting picked this year right so what do you think is a position that maybe people aren't necessarily thinking about that the 49ers might uh draft this year this is tough right because there are a lot of these type of positions i mean when you talk about uh the 49ers they have a propensity for drafting running backs running back is a position where i believe the 49ers could find value in this class. But I've also gone, like, if you asked me maybe a week or two ago, I would have said running back. 
I, I thought that they would I, I, I initially had the belief that they would draft a running back. But I'm evaluating the running back position, and I don't know if they're going to do it unless they're absolutely sold that Tyron Davis Price cannot have a role in the team this next year. I don't know if they carry five bodies on the on the on the team, but I think that that's very well could happen. But when you talk about you have McCaffrey, Mitchell, uh, Davis Price, uh, Jordan Mason, Mason, so that's four. Do you want to carry a fifth? I don't know. That's where I'm 50-50. At I would not at all be surprised if the 49ers selected a running back. We talked about quarterback last week. I am a little less bullish on that just because I think the 49ers are going to look, although they need two bodies, I think they're going to look to draft, uh, to sign a veteran. And then that fourth option would likely be a guy on a vet minimum deal because when you talk about it, they're going. I think they're going to go for one more quarterback, a guy who can push Trey Lance. And then when you have three quarterbacks already, if you have a fourth one, you're going to cut him. And so to me, I don't know if it's realistic enough to draft a quarterback, knowing that he likely ends up on a practice squad or elsewhere if the 49ers do sign. Of course, they could go the veteran route and then sign a third quarterback, which could be the case, and maybe you have quarterback on your list. But there are a couple of interesting options. I think that I will go, though, with running back. I, I think I, I will uh, today. I, I think it's un, it's interesting but i think that running backs can be found in the fifth round sixth round of this draft the 49ers have a ton of late draft ground capital and i think that they could that running back could serve as the fifth option you either cut him and have him in the practice squad or if he impresses significantly you carry five pockets it made an interesting comment eliza mitchell gets traded to the texans possibly i mean i think the texans have a pretty good running back over there uh, a young cat that they that they like but you never know. I mean, uh, you know, that 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 could be a possibility. For me, I mentioned earlier that I think kicker is could be a dark horse. I think the 49ers might want to save some money. Obviously, you know, Robbie Gold is not under contract. They don't have a kid kicker under contract right now. Do they go after maybe a guy like Moody from Michigan that they could probably get in the sixth or seventh round? Um, who I think could be a decent option and would be much cheaper, obviously. But I'm ultimately going to go with quarterback. And obviously I don't necessarily think it's going to be some guy that is going to be competing for a starting job, but I just think that with the emergence of Purdy, it makes sense now to draft a quarterback every single draft because you just never know, um, you know, the, their last pick in the seventh round, if they pick somebody because, and, and it might come in even more helpful, Rohan, if Purdy's, uh, surgery doesn't go as well as planned right if you end up he ends up having to get the tommy john and he misses the whole season now you know having a a, a rookie quarterback there as well that hey if it turns into another purdy great obviously that's probably not as likely but i think it's just smart for any team um especially the 49ers that seem to go through quarterbacks like <laughs> more than any other team um you always want to have somebody there on the roster that that is cheap but you know able to able to develop so i do think you know with one of their later picks they can find a guy in the mold of purdy which is you know has played two or three years like a stetson bennett or um you know guy that kid from uh hayner from uh i think his name is hayner from byu or the kid from fresno state i think or even you know uh dorian from uh, UCLA. I think there's going to be some quarterbacks that have had 
you know, two years starting, three years starting that um, at, you know, major, major teams that the 49, that would fall to the 49ers. And you never know, right? They, they pick Brock Purdy as Mr. Irrelevant. He ended up saving the season. Um, so I think that they do end up picking a quarterback just so that they constantly have that stable full. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised if they do so. I mean, there are a couple of uh, all right options. I don't know is if I'm as big of a believer in the late round quarterbacks in this class, but I wouldn't be surprised if they think that they could develop an option, especially because there aren't many super talented or high evaluations at the end of the draft, meaning that if you cut one of them, I don't know if another team claims them as their third quarterback. I love it. But Sunil, it's been a fun show, man. It's been a fun show. We talked about the draft this week. For those of you guys that missed our last week's show, go back, check the channel, because we talked a lot about free agency last week. But we always have some fun with it. Uh, any last words we you want to say before we head on out? Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm going on uh, Ryan's show tomorrow morning. I'm going to be, obviously, with Jesse tomorrow night. So make sure if you haven't subscribed to either of our channels, to subscribe, like, share the videos helps us out and stay tuned. I think me and Rohan are going to continue to do shows weekly um, all throughout the off season. So look out for those. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Stay tuned guys. We are going to be back very soon. Some more shows. Thank you though so much for tuning in for all of you guys that drop questions. We always love answering your questions, interacting, and we will be back soon. So stay tuned. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.